You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. Has anybody here ever been surprised by a pop quiz? Anybody? Yeah, I have. Okay, a lot of you are lying. (laughs) I am not seeing very many hands. Come on, people. (laughs) We've all had a surprise of one sort or another, right? We've, we've had that opportunity where we walked into class and the teacher's like, hey, pop quiz, or you show up on the job site and all of a sudden your day is completely different than what you thought it was going to be, or you had no idea what was going on. But in any way, we've all experienced pop quizzes at one point or another. Now, have you had the dream, the dream that you showed up to class, you couldn't get into your locker, you forgot your locker combo, and you show up in class, and the teacher's like, you couldn't even get your stuff out of your locker, and then you show up in class, and the teacher's like, pop quiz, and then all of a sudden you realize you're sitting in class in your underwear. <laughs> really? I couldn't get in my locker, and all of a sudden I'm in my underwear, and now we're having a pop quiz. How can this get any worse? Has anybody had that dream? <laughs> Gary, thank you. Will, thank you. Okay, there's a couple more. Good, I'm not the only one. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thankfully, a couple of things this morning. First of all, we're all dressed. Amen. But we will also look at how life every day is like a pop quiz for us. That we are being fed almost every moment of every day a false gospel, a false teaching of who Christ is and the way to know Him and the way to be in relationship with Him. And there'll be a million different minuscule variables to that that are easy to grasp onto and hold onto because they're partial truths. They're they're mostly true, but there's just one element that's not. And they're really easy to mess up on and miss. In fact, some say that we're exposed to over 5,000 of these types of messages on a daily basis. Think about that. Over 5,000 times we are being exposed to an advertisement uh, on, on our TVs, on our computers, on our phones, on billboards, on bumper stickers, on the box trucks with the advertisements going by, on hundreds and hundreds of places and everywhere we go and everywhere we look, we are being told a message that is false to the true gospel. Basically, anything or everything but the true gospel. And see, Satan, Satan's not an idiot, okay? He is not just going, wham, here's the ultimate opposite of that, okay? Praise God. He is not just throwing that before us, okay? Yeah, there is that, but most of us are smart enough to not fall for that one. But it's just a little variation that we start grasping onto and subconsciously believing. I mean, even as simple as have it your way. What fast food chain has had that for years and years, right? Have it your way. Yeah, my way. Is it my way or is it God's way? 
And all of those things, and yeah, Matt, they're just talking about cheeseburgers and french fries. Not necessarily. Do you see how hearing that over and over and over is going to trickle in to every part of our lives and our hearts because we're being exposed to that? Well, this morning, my goal is that we'd walk out of here with the ability to ace this pop quiz that we are faced with every single day. Ace the false teacher's pop quiz. <clears throat> We're going to do that through these verses as we look at them. <clears throat> First of all, so that we can recognize the false teachers and their false message. Okay? And we're going to be able to do that because we're going to know what the truth is and have an understanding of that. Second, to know how to appropriately respond to those false teachers, those false messages. To be able to silence them, to rebuke them. And what is our role in that? Okay, not just internally, as we're seeing those advertisements, but if we're actually faced with that reality. If you hear me say something false to the gospel, what would be your response in confronting me in that? Or somebody else here. I'm not above this, guys. All right? Not one of us are. So let's review, though, first. Okay? Because it's been three weeks. We've all slept quite a bit. Um, so let's do a quick review from the beginning of the book. So the book itself is a letter written to Titus from the Apostle Paul. Titus is a church planner on the island of Crete, one of the larger islands in the, in the Mediterranean Sea from the gr nation of Greece. And Paul discipled Titus. This is one of T Paul's spiritual sons. Paul discipled him left him in Crete, the island of Crete, to plant and grow this church and this ministry. And so that is kind of the overall context of what the book is about. And this letter is to encourage Titus so that he can sustain and persevere and, and be able to grow, not necessarily in numbers, although I believe that that happens when there's health involved, spiritual health involved, but to, for people to grow spiritually and to come to know him. And so in the first week, we looked at the first four verses. And then in that one, we, we looked at why we do what we do. <clears throat> why we do what we do. Why do we behave how we believe? And we looked at these first four verses, and you might go, well, they're just introductory verses. Not, not a lot of information here. But as we dug deeper, we found out there actually was quite a bit. And this theme of why we do what we do is actually woven almost like a piece of yarn that goes through the whole quilt the whole blanket of the book and we'll see this over and over and over as we continue through through the book but Paul who was a servant of God in verse 1 he knew who he was he wasn't just a servant of God he was a bond servant of God he willingly submitted and surrendered himself to God and he knew who he was in that I am God's bond servant and I am his witness he was very established there was no wavering in knowing who he was in this. I believe that that is part of understanding why we do what we do. If we know who we are, we have a greater understanding of why we do what we do. If we know who we are in Christ, especially, and over all everything else, being able to have the correct answer on that pop quiz when we're confronted with those false gospels. gospels, false teachings, makes all the difference in the world. Paul not only knew who he was, 
whose he was, but he knew why. It was for salvation, for the knowledge of the truth, to lead to godly lives. That's what Paul did. So he knew who he was, and, and that gave him the platform to launch off of to do what he needed to do, to do, accomplish the mission that Christ gave him. We will do what we believe because of this very thing. And if we surrender and commit ourselves to God as his bondservant, we also will go about doing these same things. Now, it may not look like it did for Paul. We may not become a full-time missionary, but I believe that we can do that at our workplace. I believe we can do that in our neighborhood. I believe we can do that in the checkout stands at the grocery store. I believe that we can do that at the lumber yard. I believe that we can do that with any interaction that we have. It's not just about where we draw our check from. And Paul also had the hope for eternal life. He had that hope for eternal life for himself. He had the hope for eternal life for others. It wasn't just about living forever in heaven. It was about having an intimate and daily fellowship with his Lord and Savior. That's the why he did it. He believed what God promised. <clears throat> and we can too. See, our lives project and proclaim what we believe, like this projector is pro projecting these words behind me and, and behind you back here. These projectors are proclaiming this, and our lives should project and proclaim what we believe through our choices, through our actions, through our words. The next time that we looked at Titus, we were together, we looked at the verses 5 through 9, and in that it was... It was a section where in Paul's letter, uh, it, I titled that one, Faithful to God and Faithful to Others, where Paul was specifically addressing, hey, Titus, you need help. This is a team ministry, bro. It's not just on you. So you need to have elders that are qualified to minister and serve alongside you. And he gave qualifications of what those elders should have and what they should be like. And I'm not going to go through every single one of these qualifications again. You guys can do that on your own. But at the end of the day, it was about focusing on being a human being. It's about being centered in Christ, being faithful to God, and then being faithful to others. The fruit produced. Okay? So, being faithful to God comes through us being centered and grounded through prayer and study of His Word. Again, what do we believe? Continually going back to the Word, continually going to prayer, establishing the foundation of what we believe will determine how we behave. Are we going to be faithful to other people? Are we going to love other people as we love ourselves? And see, all of this, all of this wraps up nicely together because we are most satisfied when we are glorifying God. See, it's not just saying, oh, Matt, I got to do this, I got to do that, or whatever. It's like, no, if you truly believe that God is the creator, that God gave us a plan of salvation, and he accomplished and succeeded in that plan of salvation, loving him and loving other people, and then going throughout the whole world and preaching that, sharing that, proclaiming that, making disciples, only that will give us the satisfaction 
and the accomplishment and the joy that we are all desperately seeking through various other forms, through media, through uh, sex, through drugs, through alcohol, through careers, through uh, status, through fill in the blank. See, we are, we are trying to accomplish that through all of these things that are false teachings and false gospels. In those things, we will feel empty and lost and broken, and we will repeat it, trying to find it, because we're believing the wrong thing. We're believing the wrong thing, so we're behaving in the wrong way. Okay, we're caught up. Verses 10 through 16. 10 to 16. Let's read these together. You don't have to read out loud, but you can. I won't be upset if you do. Just follow along if you'd like. For there are many rebellious people full of empty talk and deception, especially those from the circumcision party. Pause real quick. The circumcision party would be like a slang way of saying, back then would be of Judaism or uh, religion, being religious duties. So that's basically what the circumcision party is. We don't have time to jump into all the circumcision piece and all that stuff. That will be for another day in another book. Verse 11, it is necessary to silence them. They are ruining entire households by teaching what they shouldn't in order to get money dishonestly. One of their very own prophets said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. How would you like that title on your name? And so one other quick explanation here. Evil beast is not like some orc on Lord of the Rings or, or some other fantasy sci-fi movie. It's, it's actually a reference to somebody who gives in to the desires of their lusts or their flesh. Okay, so if we are giving in to our desires or lusts or flesh, uh, Paul here is saying, you're an evil beast. Yee. I never like to think of myself as the ugly bad guys on Lord of the Rings or any other movie that comes to mind. Verse 13, this testimony is true. For this reason, rebuke them sharply so that they may be sound in the faith and may not pay attention to Jewish myths and the commands of people who reject the truth. To the pure, everything is pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. In fact, both their mind and conscience are defiled. They claim to know God, but they deny him by their works. You catching that? Behaving how you're believing right there? They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. So this passage in Paul's letter to Titus is warning him and encouraging him, reminding him of these rebellious people, these, these false teachers, about what they are and, and what his response to them should be, to silence them, to rebuke them sharply. And it's not just to Titus, it's for us here today, okay? Everything in here applies to us, all right? Sometimes it's not on the surface, though. We talked about this a while back. It's, it's like the center of the Tootsie Roll Pop or the, the center of that Cadbury cream egg. You've got to get past the surface and dig down deeper, and that's, that's where you can find more. So every time that we are confronted with something false or contrary to the gospel, it's like a pop quiz. 
And we had the opportunity to answer this. You know, the true false pop quizzes, I think, are the worst. See, there's a good side to it. And if you haven't studied and you're not ready, you've got a 50-50 chance of getting it right. The downside is you have a 50-50 chance of getting it wrong and failing. Because most of those tests only have like two or three questions. So if you miss one, you're already down to like a D. And if you miss two, you're done. The correct answer many times on these quizzes, quizzes hinge on one word. One little degree of difference that makes all the difference on the statement, the answer being true or being false. This is the realm that Satan operates in. And so we have to be ready. We have to be, we can never let our guard down. I had this conversation with my boys recently. They were getting ready to go hang out with some friends. And, and all of the friends there, from what we knew, were, were great church-going, Bible-believing kids. And I'm like, guys, that doesn't mean you got to let your guard down. When I come in and give you lecture 1,502, <laughs> right, fellas? It doesn't mean that they can let their guard down because they also are responsible for understanding the Scriptures and making sure that even what Dad is saying is accurate. Now, there's a very respectful and gracious way, children. You need to go about that if your kids, if your parents are off scripturally. So don't confuse that with honor and obedience there, but we are all responsible for that. You guys may have heard this before, but if you hop in an airplane at JFK on the East Coast and you take off and you're one degree off, and your destination is going to be LAX in Los Angeles, West Coast. By the time you get there, you'll be 50 miles off course. You're like, well, that's only 50 miles. I can get there in 40, 45 minutes in a rental car, whatever. I just missed it. But what if you only calculated enough fuel and you're 50 miles off? Now what? One degree difference makes all the difference. You see, moral failure, when we hear about that, and it, in the news and the media, you just, every day, we see somebody else having moral failure. Everybody from pastors to leaders to politicians to teachers. I mean, it's just almost coming, becoming commonplace, and it's tragic. But these people making these huge moral failures that all of a sudden they're splashed all over the news, and they're in jail or whatever else may be going on with them, it didn't happen all of a sudden. It was one degree off, and they did not course correct, and they continued down that path. And all of a sudden, when they're confronted with that really big choice, they're 50 miles off course or more. And see, we, we see these one degree off messages every single day whether it be about our gender, somebody else's gender, homosexuality, sexual immorality, period. One degree off. Well, God made sex. Just because I'm not married, actually, that's not what this says. 
And I'm not up here standing. I am perfect in anything. Okay? I'm up here with you saying I have to course correct often as well. Abortion? I mean, I'm just throwing out some really big topics. Racism? What about rights as an American versus rights as a believer? How quickly is that line crossed and confused? Again, I'm not up here trying to throw a nuclear bomb in our unity. But I know what the scriptures say. And that's what I'm going to teach on. And that's what I'm going to do my best to stay on course towards. And I want you there to be with I want you to be there with me. So how can we be certain that we stay on course? Or how can we course correct when we come to the realization that we're off course? You see, God loves each and every person. You see, before time began, he already had the plan of his salvation established. His grace, his mercy, the gospel. Sin he hates. So should we. But he loves us. And because he does, he has given us mercy and grace through the cross. How can we be certain? How can we know with clarity what the course is and and how to stay on it? I'm going to keep saying it. For my own sake and for your sake. We've got to be in the Word. We have got to be in the Word. This is God's will. This is what He says. I don't know what God's saying about this. Right here. Right here. You're like, well, Matt, but it doesn't say if I should watch a PG-13 movie or an R-rated movie or a rated G movie or, or whatever. Does He talk about immorality? Does He talk about Letting no unwholesome talk come out of our mouths? Does he talk about setting our minds on things above? Our answers are right there. We just don't want to see them. So, continuing on. Let's, let's look at how to establish and recognize these false teachers and their messages. <clears throat> and these verses spell out three different ways that we're going to look at. In verse 10, legalism. Okay, that's where he's talking about the circumcision party. Legalism. So a bad fruit of a false teacher could be legalism. And so, just to make sure that we're all clear, we understand what that is. That's adhering excessively to law or formula. That's legalism. There is no formula that's going to work every time for us in this. So when I'm tempted to go off course, okay, if I pray, if I like only drink water, and then I stand on one leg, I can overcome. No. It's a constant surrendering. 
It's a constant recognizing that you need him and you can't do it on your own. And sometimes that's going to look like praying. Sometimes that's going to look like praying and calling a friend that you know is going to pray for you. Sometimes it looks like removing yourself from the situation. It's going to look like many different things. But the way that we can recognize that there are false teachers and there are false messages out there is they're saying, you got to do these things to get to heaven. you got to do these things to be a good person. you got to do these things to be loved by Jesus. And those are false. He said, I did it. Jesus Christ did it. Our only part in that is believing in him, surrendering in him. Galatians 2.16 says this, And yet because we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we ourselves have believed in Christ Jesus. This was so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. Plain and simple. That will not save us. Why is this good news? Matt, I want control. I want, I want to be able to know that when I do things, it matters. I want control. You know why it's good news? Because we're not perfect. And we're going to mess up. And if it's on us, we're going to fail and we're never going to make it. But because it's on Him, our Lord and Savior, the only one without sin. That should just be like a breath of fresh air. Oh, it's not on me. Come on, guys. We have performance issues, right? Always, especially us men, thinking that, man, I just... I just got to do this right. I just got to nail this project. I just got to, I just got to get this done on time. I got to, what a breath of fresh air this should be. Another bad fruit could be gospel plus or minus. Any variation of the gospel. This is outlined in verses 10 and 11. Empty talk, deception, teaching what they shouldn't. Adding to the gospel, taking away from the gospel. Galatians 1, 6 through 10 tells us this. This is another letter from Paul to the Galatians, the church in Galatia. He says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, meaning Paul and his companions, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. He's saying, excuse me, damn them. And if he hadn't covered it, he continues. Verse 9, As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. 
For am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Another bad fruit could be a love of money. The motive being able, getting money dishonestly, that's why they're teaching these things. They think that Titus is getting rich, the church is getting all this money. Uh, pastors who are really being pastors don't get rich. If, if somebody's constantly saying, give, 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 and you look at their lifestyle and that they're always talking about money for this and money for that and the things that they want to get and, and different things that should be red flags all over the place, striving their motives. Say give so you can be good. But really at the end of the day, they're, they're wanting you to give so they can get. They're only preaching charity and charitable out of benefit for themselves. And I specifically use the word charitable here, not generous. And see, I don't think this only applies to folks who have money. I think that we can have little and money still drive us. It's not about our bank account or our tax return. It's about our heart. Is it God's? Or is it mine? Who gives you the air that you breathe? Who wired you the way that you are so that you have the skill set that you have? Who gave you that job? Who gives you the clients if you're self-employed? God Almighty. Who are we to think that any of it's ours? And again, this should be good news. Not like, oh gosh, I have no control over anything. This should be good news. It's his. So when that bill comes, that's more money than you got. You can trust that he's got it. Now, if you made a bad decision that resulted in that bill, I can't promise he'll come through on that one all the time. He may let you suffer a little bit and learn your lesson. For your good. So we don't learn again. So I don't know about you, when things are going good, I don't learn many good lessons. I've got to be beat on the head and kicked and stomped on and all that stuff before I really pick them up. Hopefully, you're not the same. But I've got a feeling I'm not alone. Ecclesiastes 5.10, the one who loves silver is never satisfied with silver and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. This too is futile. The wisest man who ever lived penned those words, Solomon. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. My prayer for us this morning is that God would open the eyes of our hearts as it talks about in Ephesians 1. That God would open up the eyes of our hearts. Because anything more or less than Christ is futile, it's pointless. 1 Corinthians 15 says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. 
That is the gospel. And that we would give up the notion that we've got to work harder. We've got to do more. We've got to pull our boots up tighter. Hitch the belt. There's the suspenders. Whatever it takes. No. Our purpose for existence, our reason for being here, the only way that we will be satisfied and feel complete is if we are knowing Christ and making him known. It's that GC squared life I've been talking about. The great commandment, the great commission. Loving God, loving others. And the great commission, making him known. That our houses, our cars, our garages, our careers, our status, even the behavior of our kids, whether poorly or negatively, would be rubbish or dung in comparison to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ. I'm not saying all those things are evil by any means. But that our focus is on Him, not on us and how we look and are perceived. That we would recognize the false teachers in our lives, that we'd be able to rebuke them and silence them. Do we need to keep the TV off more than we do? Do we need to take a fast or a hiatus from social media? Maybe we have friends or acquaintances in our lives that we need to not reject because God loves them, but we need to distance ourselves from. So, how should we Silence and rebuke these false teachings, these false teachings, the false gospel. Verses 11 and 13. And in the context of this passage, Paul is specifically telling Titus to do these confrontations with people in their community, in their congregation, who's trying to stir this up. So it would be like a sect trying to go about and, and take these people over here and and teach them something different and so that they can deceive and feel powerful and get money dishonestly and do those things. And so in our context today, I believe it has to do with our congregation as well. That these are things to, to keep in front of us, to be cautious about, to make sure that it doesn't happen. Or it could be maybe somebody that you have a strong relationship with who is a brother or sister in Christ that you have relational equity with. Somebody that you didn't just meet, somebody that you've known for a while that you can know their heart and they can know your heart. See, bloggers, online, social media, all that stuff, that's not our place to confront those people. We don't know them. How easy is it for us to miscommunicate something that we didn't mean? In a text, in an email, on a post, online. Well, does that not also apply to everybody? Absolutely. So if some well-known so-and-so, even if they're a pastor and a spiritual leader, were to post something that you're like, woo. That sounds like a false teacher to me. Is it our place to jump on there and make some 
horrible comment? No. We don't know them. They don't know us. That's not our place. Now, may it be our place to quit following them? May it be our place to be open to what they said, not to accept, but to take it to the Scripture and compare it here. Absolutely. That is our responsibility. So why would Paul want Titus to confront and silence and rebuke them? So that we, they, us, would be sound in the faith. Being sound in the faith is one who is strong. And I love this definition. One whose opinions are free from any mixture of error. I'm going to say that again. One whose opinions are free from any mixture of error. In the faith, being sound in the faith means the one true gospel. Colossians 2.8. There's another slide for this. It says this. Let me read this for you. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. See, it's about whether or not the gospel is being portrayed correctly or not. That's our place to confront or not. If it's here. If it's somebody we know and we love and we have relational equity with. Things not to confront somebody on? Curtain colors. I've heard of churches that have literally split over the colors of the curtain in the parlor. How horrible is that? Leadership style. That could be another one. Well, I really like how how this person leads us, not so much how that person leads us. So uh, we're going to confront them and we're going to split. We're going to go over here. That has nothing to do with the gospel. Some other things that could potentially come up and try to, try to trip us up would be budgets. Church budgets can get really hairy and nasty. I don't know what they're like around here. Um, I've got a feeling it's not going to be too big a big deal. I think Tony and Tom have done a good job of that. Um, I'm not feeling worried about it. But that can be an issue. We all have our own music preferences and styles that we really like. Is that something to cause division and confront over? Now, if a song that we sing is not true to the gospel, we need to have that talk. But again, is that y'all's job or is that my job? We want to go about this the right way. Not out of control or power, but so that we can stay unified. And we could be an example in the light in this community and the world beyond. They know we are Christians by our what? Our love. Not out of our, you know. You can interpret that how you need. (laughs) That wasn't in the Bible. (laughs) So I've got three challenges for us on how we can go about this together. Myself included. Myself included. First one is to seek wise counsel. Proverbs twelve fifteen, you can look that up. 
as to, as to my scriptural basis for this, but seeking wise counsel, God-fearing, Bible-believing men and women. And so at this point in time, who are those people in your life? It doesn't necessarily have to be me or Tony or another ministry leader. Yet, at the same time, that is our role if we need to be. And scripture is clear on that. And so, underneath seeking wise counsel, I would implore you to please pray for us. We need it. In fact, I would, I might even debate with you that I need the gospel more than you (laughs) because of my role here. Now, we might just get blue and spit a lot and go back and forth about you might think you need it more than me, but at the same, we all need it. We all need it. So please pray. Pray for me. Pray for Tony. Pray for the deacons. Pray for the other ministry leaders. Because we want this to stay about Christ, not any one of us. The second thing would be to be responsible for your own faith. Philippians 2.12 would be a scripture reference there you can look up. And yes, as an elder, I have accountability for this flock. And if you want to know, a peek inside my heart, almost every Sunday as I drive in, I'm listening to a song right now. Fear is a Liar by Zach Williams. Because when I think about the accountability that I have for this flock, it makes me tremble. But it's not about me. It's about him through me. And him through you. But that does not let you off the hook. You're in it with me. You are responsible for your own faith and your own salvation. In this. And we will each stand before the almighty God. And we will all bow before him. The most horrific serial killer... And the most amazing evangelist, Billy Graham, will all get on their knees and bow before Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The difference will be Billy Graham and others will go, well done, good and faithful servant. Here is your reward. And those who did not will be forever separated from Jesus Christ. And pay for their choices. Acts 17.11, we should be like the Bereans, that when they heard the word preached by Paul, they examined the scriptures daily to see if it was so. And I'm going to keep saying it because I need to hear it. We should pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.16.18 Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. So seeking wise counsel, being responsible for your own faith, and then commit and engage. Hebrews 3.13. And by this I mean commit to and engage in a local body of believers. I've got a suggestion. If you're not committed to one yet, I think this place is pretty fantastic. We would welcome you. But we all need to be committed to and engaged in one because we are stronger together. 
You know, there, there are scriptures about a cord of three strands is not easily broken in Ecclesiastes 4, where two that are gathered, Christ is there with them in Matthew 18. And Satan's whole line of attack, those little one degree offs of lies that he's throwing out our way, he's doing that when we're separated and we're trying to make it on our own. And we're not being exposed to the truth. But Matt, the church is full of hypocrites. And that's why I can't be a part of it. You're right. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Maybe you've said it. Maybe you've heard somebody say it. Yes. Because we're sinners. However, if somebody gave you a counterfeit $100 bill, would you then go, I don't want any more $100 bills ever because I have this one counterfeit $100 bill. Would you throw out all of the $100 bills because you found that one or somebody gave you that one? No. No, we wouldn't. That'd be ridiculous. So are we going to do that with all believers? Absolutely. There can be wounds that happen in a church. There's a really good chance that I might wound some of you someday. I hope I don't. But there's a good chance that I might. And I pray against that. I pray that we would stay unified, that we would love God, that we would love each other, and that people would see New Life Church in Anderson, Missouri as a place where grace abounds, that Christ's love is felt and seen throughout our community, throughout McDonald County, throughout the state of Missouri, throughout the United States, and even into Spain, and in the Himalayan mountains, and who knows where else and beyond. I pray for that. I desire that. I want that. But because sin can rear up in each one of our lives, that can happen. But see, we don't give grace to each other as quickly as we even do things. I mean, how many, (laughs) you know, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, how much time do we spend researching things that we're going to buy instead of giving somebody else the benefit of the doubt and trying to understand their heart and the reason and the context, their story, before we judge them. I love this saying. I saw it in a coffee shop this last week. It says, Grace never seems fair until you need a little. Isn't that true? We all want it. But are we willing to give it? So in closing, I'd like to share a little historical story with you. Praise God. (laughs) Christopher Columbus was stranded in Jamaica and needed supplies. He knew the lunar eclipse was to occur the next day. So he went to the tribal chief. Unless you give me supplies, the God who protects me will punish you. The moon shall lose its light. When the eclipse darkened the sky, Columbus got all the supplies that he needed. And then later in the early 1900s, an Englishman tried the same thing on a Sudanese chief. He said, if you do not follow my orders, he warned, vengeance will fall upon you and the moon will lose its light. 
the chief replied, if you're referring to the lunar eclipse, that doesn't happen until the day after tomorrow. <laughs> and my boys would say, got him. That Sudanese chief was protected from deception because he knew the truth. Guys, we are going to behave how we believe. Will we choose to ground ourselves in the truth of the one true gospel and not be deceived by the bad fruit of false teachers and false teachings? Legalism, gospel plus or minus, love of money, things that should be telltale signs for us to know that this is off. And if we don't, before we know it, we'll find ourselves off course and in those situations wish we weren't in. And looking back going, how did I even get here? Well, you were one degree off when you started. But through the anchoring and the truth of the gospel, when we see or hear that bad fruit of disruptive false teaching, we can silence and rebuke it with the goal of restoration by seeking wise counsel, being responsible for our faith, committing and engaging. See, we restore after we rebuke. That is the goal. To silence and rebuke somebody is always for the goal of restoration. It's not just to slam somebody, to do a facial disgraceful, whatever the sayings are these days, kids, but it's always to restore. Because isn't that Christ with us? When we mess up, the grace that he gives us to course correct when we finally get our eyes opened and we're one degree off to be able to course correct. So where do you find yourself this morning? Are you, are you liking that dream? Where you're sitting in the class and you're not even fully clothed and here's the pop quiz. Maybe you're just waking up to the fact that you're in that classroom at all. And realizing, yeah, I can't do this. Maybe you got your grades back. And they're not so hot from that pop quiz. But you realize you're off course. What is your response? What will our response be? Will we stay off course? Will we choose to try to go back to sleep? It's just a bad dream. Or will we respond in humble surrender to Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and is our Savior, whom we will bow before someday? You see, there's an expiration date on darkness and sin. It will end.
We have and serve and love a good, good father who desires to be in a relationship with you, not to add more people into his little flock because he needs it. It's because this is who he created us to be, to serve him and glorify him. So as the worship team comes back up to lead us in that song, good, good father, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminders in it for the blessing and freedom of getting to be here this morning together to to learn, hopefully, and to take this home and apply it to our lives, God. Lord, do your work in our lives. God, open our eyes to the fact that some of us may be off course and we need to course correct and we can do that through you. They're asking for your help. They're asking for a trusted brother or sister who loves you to help us. And Lord, if there is anyone in this room this morning who's just, their eyes are just, they're open for the first time and they realize they're sitting in that classroom and and the quizzes have been piling up and the grades are all flunking behind them and they're failing at life because they've missed the reason for their existence. And God, I just ask that you would work in their life. Thank you for your mercy in opening their eyes. Lord, that they would, would have the courage to talk to me, talk to somebody else about knowing you, about next steps. Lord, that we would praise you with our heart and humble adoration as we are reminded and sing this song of how good of a father you are.